Welcome to the Resurrection Church Podcast. Resurrection Church exists for the glory of God and the joy of His people. If you're looking for a church in the upstate of South Carolina, please join us at 9 and 11 a.m. on Sunday mornings at 900 North Main Street in Greer, South Carolina. We pray you'll be blessed by this message. We are continuing um, our short stint of Acts this morning. If you have your Bibles, uh, turn to Acts chapter 2. <clears throat> Acts chapter 2, we'll start reading verse 42, and I'll start reading when I hear pages stop turning. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number, day by day, those who were being saved. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Andy. My name's Jonathan. Bradley's not here. Now's your chance to get up and leave if that's who you came expecting to hear. You get me today. But more than that, we get him. We get him. It's not about me. So let me pray because I don't want this to be anything about me. Father, I'm broken. I'm a finite, broken vessel. Father, I just ask that you would fill me today with, with you. Let me get out of the way. I want us to be in awe of you today. Let us be in awe that you're here with us today, that you are in our presence, and that you desire for us to see your kingdom breaking into our lives, and that you desire that we are led by your spirit to participate with you in that Father, I want to participate with you right now as I declare your worth and that you are worthy of it all. Help me, lead me, open our ears to hear what you would have us to hear today. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm tore up. I'm going to try to get my emotions to calm down, but we are... Finishing up our study in Acts, we've been in Luke and we've been listening to Luke in the first two chapters of Acts and today we're going to see how the new believers and the apostles gathered together. But before we do that, I've got two questions to kind of get our thoughts in gear. The first, what are you in awe of? What makes you say, whoa, Wow, 
Is that when your toes are at the edge of the ocean and you're standing in the sand and your feet are getting buried as the waves lap up on your feet and you think of the depth of that ocean, how big it is, how wide it is, and that his love for you is even bigger than that? Is it when you stand at the base of the Grand Tetons? Anybody been there before? They're big. The clouds stop and they keep going. They're really big. Does that make you say, whoa, wow. See, as Christ followers, I would ask, are we in awe of him, of the Father in heaven? Are we in awe of Jesus, that he is the active, present, risen Savior here with you, present in your day-to-day? Are we in awe that the Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit that raised him from the dead is empowering you to participate with Jesus? Are we in awe of that? Are we in awe of him? The second question is, is during your day-to-day, during your Monday, Tuesday, do we stop and do we pray? Jesus, I know you're here with me. What do you wanna do today in my life? How do you wanna make yourself present and make me aware of what you're doing. Holy Spirit, help me open my eyes, open my ears to hear, to see, and to anticipate what you're doing and help me to have the boldness to get in and be led by you. Or do we just go about our normal Monday, Tuesday obligations with just checking the box, getting it done? See, I think there's a connection in the Christian life between participating with Jesus and all of Jesus. Personally, I've been challenged by this. As we've gone through Luke, I've found myself questioning, am I abiding? Am I depending every day in my day-to-day, in my normal Monday of seeing clients as a physical therapist and trying to run a business and being a, a father and... Am I abiding? Am I depending? Or am I just going about my normal Monday and Tuesday with just normal expectations of getting it done? Or am I aware that Jesus is present with me in all of it? And am I leaning into the Holy Spirit asking, help me? And it's led me to question, am I in awe of him? Do I see him as worthy of it all? Is his praise continually on my lips? See, if you believe that God is sovereignly ruling over your days, today, tomorrow, the next day, and if you believe that Jesus is active and present in your life, and if you believe that the Holy Spirit is empowering you to bear witness and participate with him, then shouldn't we start every day everything that we do with Father, I want to be in awe of you today, not just who you are. I want to be in awe of that, but I also want to be in awe of what you're doing, how your kingdom is breaking into my life. And Jesus, lead me. Holy Spirit, empower me to participate with you. See, I think that's what we have seen the apostles doing in Acts. First, we saw them waiting. Jesus told them, wait, wait until. But they didn't just passively wait, they actively waited. 
They waited in the unity of devotion to prayer. Jesus, what would you have us do? How would you have us wait? And then they leaned into the scriptures. What does the scriptures show us that we should be doing right now as we wait? And they felt as though the Holy Spirit and Jesus was leading them, fill the vacant spot that was left by Judas to have 12 apostles. And then an amazing, awe-inspiring event that required explanation on Pentecost, the Holy Spirit was poured out in the upper room and there were signs and wonders. We talked about the sound of a mighty rushing wind and we talked about the many different tongues being spoken, all proclaiming one thing, the glorious works of God. And the Holy Spirit was poured out on all the believers. And there were people outside saying, we we need an explanation. What is this that's happening? And Peter stood up in the bolt with the boldness of the Holy Spirit and said, this is because the active present Jesus is in our midst, the risen savior and The full prophecy of Joel is being fulfilled right now as the Holy Spirit is being poured on all who believe. And 3,000 people were saved and baptized as a result. So we know what has happened to this point in Acts. You know what happens next, right? All inspiring event ended. All 3,000 people go home and the apostles go on vacation, right? Right? That's what happens, right? It ended, concert's over, they all go home, go back to their normal lives. Apostles say, whew, what a two months that has been. I mean, look, we saw Jesus beaten, crucified, buried, risen. Now he's with us. We ate with him, we talked with him, we saw him, we saw him ascend, we waited. I mean, and now Holy Spirit's poured out, 3,000 people are saved, we baptized them all in one day. Are you kidding me? We need a break. I'm going on vacation. Y'all go home. By the looks on your faces, you're telling me that's not what happened. Actually, quite the opposite happened. But before we consider what did happen with the 3,000 new believers and the apostles, we need to recognize that our text today is an overview. Luke does not say, and the very next day after the Spirit was poured out and 3,000 new believers, they all, there's no time frame here. This is an overview, what we're going to look at today. So we need to see it as that. And that there aren't specifics given, but this is a general overview of how the new believers and the apostles gathered together. And in that gathering, I think Luke wants us to consider how should that inform as we gather in our gathering of believers. So I see two things in this overview. First, we see an overview of a spirit-filled believer in community with other believers. And then second, we see an overview of a gathering of spirit-filled believers all fellowshipping with each other. We call that 
koinonia, or today we use the word church. But before we run to the application of how to do church, how to gather together, let's just listen to what Lucas said, listen to the words that he uses, and I think the application is going to be very easy, tangible, real, evident to us. So let's dive in. Acts 2, 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and to breaking of bread and the prayers. First, we need to ask, who is the they? That's the 3,000 plus the 120. So you put those together, Mr. Bill, that's 3,120. Good job, right? But who are those people? Luke 2 or Acts 2, excuse me, Acts 2, verse 9. Look at that with me. Last time I read this, I messed it up pretty bad. I practiced, so hopefully I do better today. Who are those people that were asking for an explanation? What's going on? They were Parthenians, Medes, Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judah, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, Libya, Cyrene, Rome. They were Jews. Some were proselytes, Cretans, and Arabians. I mean, goodness gracious, what an eclectic group this must have been. We must assume that all of those were somehow represented in this 3,000 new believers. And think for half a second, how in the world did these 3,000 new believers with all these differences come together and gather together in fellowship together. And what we would see is the new church, the early church. So we know who is gathering, but what did they do? They devoted themselves. What does that mean to devote? Luke uses that same word in Acts 1.14. When he mentions in the upper room, they were in unity, devoting themselves to prayer. The word means steadfastly continuing or constant attention with intense effort. What are they devoting themselves to? The teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread and prayer. I mean, I, I struggle to even fully understand what this word devotion means. To be honest with you, I have trouble sitting through a two hour elder meeting and we're sitting there talking about text without me wanting to get up, move around, fill my water bottle up, stretch my legs, take a deep breath, go use the bathroom. I know y'all are much more astute and devoted than that, that you can sit at home, read your Bible, not have a rabbit trail thought and sit there and be fully constantly with intense effort devoted, right? I mean, that's, we know that's who you are. I'm still working on that. But there's only one way they could do that and that's in the power of the Holy Spirit. But Add to that, they were doing this with 3,120 people in the same room. I mean, not to pick on you, but if someone gets up and goes use the bathroom right now, you're all distracted. You've just no longer been devoted with intense, constant effort to the teaching. And much less your phone goes off and you get a text saying, hey, as soon as Jonathan stops this intense talk about devotion, 
I'm kind of devoted to the fact that my belly's hungry. Let's go to select right now. You're now distracted and you've lost your attention. I mean, devoted is a, a hard, hard thing to even imagine, but in the power of the Holy Spirit, they were steadfastly continuing. What were they devoted to? I see the Holy Spirit was inviting the new believers with, in fellowship with the apostles in the same thing, the same rhythm that the apostles had with Jesus when he was with them before his death and then after his resurrection. I mean, remember in Luke, we saw Jesus spending time teaching his disciples, breaking bread with his disciples, praying with his disciples, even to the point that they said, teach us how to pray. So let's look at each of these again, remembering that it's an overview and that Luke doesn't give us details and consider what were they devoting themselves to. First, the apostles' teaching. Again, no specifics. Paul doesn't tell us what the apostles were teaching, but let's just consider for the fact that they don't have the New Testament. They have the Old Testament. They have Jesus's words, but let's not forget, they just lived out the gospels, right? What does Luke tell us that might inform us as to what they might have been devoting themselves as the apostles were teaching. Turn to Luke 24, 27. What might have the apostles been teaching that they were devoting themselves to? Luke 24, 27 says, and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he, Jesus, interpreted to, to, to them in all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. Skipping down to verse 44, same chapter. Then he said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said to them, thus it is written, that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and the repentance for forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. Flipping back over to Acts, look at Acts 1.3, last little example of how and what might've informed the apostles teaching that they were devoting themselves to. Acts 1.3, it says, He, Jesus, presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. But as they were devoting themselves, they weren't leaning into their own ability. The new believers, they must have been saying, Holy Spirit, help this absorb in our heads. I mean, their minds must have been blown as they heard the apostles helping them understand connecting the dots from Moses and the prophets and the Psalms and how all of that was fulfilled in him. Holy Spirit, help us grasp, remember, comprehend all that we are learning. In the apostles, I mean, have they ever discipled 3,000 people before? 
No, we've seen him go out and proclaim his name and do mighty works, but they must have also been saying, Holy Spirit, help us, disciple. Just went out. No, we're back. All right, so help us disciple these 3,000 people. Help us remember the words of Jesus as he taught us. Help us to teach them. What else were they devoting themselves to? It says to fellowship. The word here is koinonia. I've used that word already. It just means spiritual fellowship, community, partnership. Got 3,000 people with one common thing amongst all of them. Their hearts have been softened by the Holy Spirit to believe that Jesus is the risen Savior, is the Messiah. Otherwise, they have nothing in common. They're from all over different places, all different languages, all different cultures. How in the world are they going to devote themselves to fellowshipping together in community and in partnership? How are they going to put their preferences aside and experience fellowship together? There's only one way, and that's leaning into the power of the Holy Spirit that has now filled them, saying, Holy Spirit, help us to lay aside these preferences and saturate our fellowship with your presence. Jesus, be active, be present in our fellowship. And then devoting themselves to breaking of bread. I think this is Luke just wanting us to imagine and recognize that they saw their time of eating together as an opportunity for the Holy Spirit to show up in their conversation and also that he would, Jesus would be present in helping them to maybe just as you have had a meal with other believers, hey, what's God doing in your life? How's he showing himself to you? What's he done? Let me tell you what he did in my life. How can I bear your burdens? How can I pray for you? What's going on that you, that I could come alongside you and help pray for you? I think that's what they were doing as they devoted themselves to Holy Spirit, Jesus present fellowship. And I think the food tastes better when we do that anyways, right? And they devoted themselves to prayer. We've talked a lot about prayer through our study in Luke. We've seen Jesus praying in the garden. We've talked about the Lord's prayer. We saw how Jesus drew away and prayed before big moments in his ministry. But prayer in its simplest form is a two-way communication with an active God who wants his kingdom to break into your life. Two-way communication. That means you got to stop and listen and stop talking. And after you talk, you should listen again. And in that, Luke is helping us to see that with steadfast, continual effort in prayer of, Father, how do you want to make yourself known to us today? Jesus, how do you want us to participate with you today? Holy Spirit, give me boldness today. Show me, lead me. See, I think the apostles and the new believers' devotion to these things is a great overview of what a healthy Christ-following kind of life looks like. 
See, Bradley used this example of a three-legged stool for this healthy Christ-following kind of life. He had to remind me in our elders meeting because I wasn't devoted to listening to what he said the first time. So I'm just going to assume that it might be helpful for me to review it with you again. So what is a three-legged stool of a healthy Christ-following kind of life that we see the new believers and the apostles demonstrating to us? First, a devotion Two, a Christ-centered knowledge. Second, a devotion to a Christ-centered understanding. And then a third, a, Christ, a devotion to a Christ-centered experiencing. And if any one of these three legs is missing, gonna be off kilter, off balance with our Christ-following kind of life. How do we see those present in the new believers as they devoted themselves. First, Christ-centered knowledge. They were steadfastly devoted to who is this Jesus? I wanna know all that I can as they devoted themselves to the teaching. Who is he? Show us, we wanna learn, we wanna know who is he? Help us connect the dots from the Old Testament. But they didn't stop with just knowledge. Christ-centered understanding. Jesus, we know who you are, but how is knowing who you are gonna change how we love others, how we think about our family, how we think about gathering together, how we think about our stuff and that our stuff isn't ours, our stuff is a vehicle that you wanna use to impact others' lives and meet needs. Christ-centered understanding, not just knowledge, but knowing who he is, how does that impact how we live? And then third, a Christ-centered experience. They demonstrated that to us through fellowshipping together and experiencing Jesus in their fellowship and also prayer, communication with him, experiencing fellowship with him, experiencing him through prayer. With all three of these, I think there's a special harmony that is present with the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit in their gathering that brings about one thing. What is that one thing? Let's read about it in verse 43. Verse 43, and all, say all, came upon every soul, say every and many wonders and signs were being done through, say through, the apostles. See, awe is a word that I think that we don't fully grasp the magnitude of the emotion that's connected. The root word here is phobos, which means fear, dread, terror, or you might think of fight or flight, like a phobia. Anoclophobia, is anybody... Got anoclophobia? Probably not, because it's fear of crowds. So if that's the case, you wouldn't be here right now, right? Or what about thalassophobia? Anybody got that? Fear of deep waters, ocean, lakes. See, people that have phobias, they typically try to avoid putting themselves in a situation that they would be presented with the need to be in a bit large crowd or be near a large body of water. 
But when they are confronted with that, they often go into panic or fight or flight mode. But see, awe also has a positive emotion. In our text today, it's reverential awe or a weighty, whoa, whoa. Try to go one more, whoa. An awe, an overwhelming, fully encompassing awareness that something significant, something deserving, reverential fear is now in your presence. And we sang the song today, the elders cast their crowns, the angels bow before the throne of God. What a picture of, whoa, who is in our presence? Now let's consider the awe, the woe, the weighty reverential fear that these new believers were experiencing as they were devoting themselves. Who is experiencing the awe? It says all came upon every soul. That means 3,120 believers, all were experiencing all. That means nobody was sitting in the corner with their arms crossed saying, yeah, not sure I want to participate. Not sure I really believe all of this. I got a few questions. I want to watch before I jump in. I mean, that, that right there is just overwhelming to me that there's 3,000 people all experiencing a weighty reverential fear of who is in their presence, who is doing something in their midst. Kind of jealous. Res, do we want to be a gathering like that? I encourage you not to look at your neighbor and be like, hey, what's wrong with you? Why aren't you in awe? Look at your own soul. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you evaluate, am I in awe? Am I devoting myself and out of that devotion, awe of him, who he is, but also that he's here, that he's present that he's active, that he's doing stuff. What, what would happen if we were all in all of him here in Greer? What would happen? What amazing things would people be like, hey, we need an explanation. What's going on in there? If all came upon every soul like these gathered believers so we see that all came upon every soul, but who or what were they in awe of? I think it's two things, both their increasing knowledge of all of who he is and also an increased awareness that he was doing stuff th through the apostles, not the apostles sitting there trying to stir up more emotion and keep it going. And hey guys, let's not lose the mojo here. No, it was the Holy Spirit through Jesus empowering the apostles doing things. What was he doing? 
What was Jesus doing that was creating this all? Signs and wonders. What do you mean by signs and wonders, Jonathan? Signs and wonders are just anything that requires an explanation of how the kingdom of God is breaking in. We've seen some of that already in our study through Acts. In the upper room, we saw signs and wonders like the sound of a mighty rushing wind, like tongue speech, like divided fire, all those things. People said, whoa, what's going on? We need an explanation. Who's doing this? And it's out of that, that all, all of who was in their presence and what he was doing. See, all is something that comes from a heart that is overwhelmed by a realization that it's all about him and it's not about you. All springs out of a heart that says he is worthy of it all. To him be all the praise, all the glory, all the honor. See, all is birthed from a Holy Spirit understanding of Romans eleven thirty six. For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory. So I ask, have you ever experienced this kind of awe? Has the Holy Spirit ever fueled this kind of awe as you've maybe experienced something that must be explained. How did that happen? And the only way it could happen is for you to say, Jesus did that in my life. I could never have done that. He did that. Did that fuel all in you? What about when you were reading your scripture and you're like, Holy Spirit, I just don't understand. I don't see it. This just doesn't make sense. And as you leaned in, you pressed in, you asked for the Holy Spirit to help you you saw it, you saw him and all became to well up inside of your heart. I see him, there it is. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus, for showing yourself to me. So how did their devotion and their all impact, change, influence their koinonia, their gathering, their fellowship? Let's look at that in 44 to 45 of, Luke, of Acts 2. And all who believed were together and had all things in common and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. So I think this is a great example that Luke wants to, to see that the apostles were recognizing and they were depending on the Holy Spirit. Father, how do you want to meet this need? You're like, what need? What, what need are they praying about? I, I said there's 3,000 people who came from all over the known world for a planned trip to Jerusalem for the Pentecost feast, but none of them had an awareness of what was about to happen. None of them planned for their whole world to be turned up, upside down and never go home. There was a tangible need. No one had a place to stay other than their tent that maybe was probably falling apart by now. None of them had enough food. None of them had enough clothing. None of them had enough money. 
I mean, let's recognize they didn't plan to stay in Jerusalem. They planned to leave after the feast was over. I mean, I don't know about you, but when I go on vacation, I probably plan pack one extra thing of clothes, but I don't plan to never come home. If I did, all five of mine, we'd need a bigger van, put all our stuff in if we plan to never come home. So when they're praying and they're communicating with the Father, Father, how do you want to meet this need? How do you want to demonstrate your active, present power in our situation, in this tangible need? The result, they were all together. They all shared everything. And each was willing to use what he had to meet the needs of his fellow believers. Imagine the awe that started welling up inside of them as they saw God meeting real, tangible needs right before them. In verse 46 and 47, it says, And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. See, I think using this language day by day, Luke is emphasizing this wasn't just a little tent revival that went on for a week. This was something that went on and on and day by day. They continued to devote themselves. They continued to lean in to the active present realization that Jesus was with them. And over a long period of this unity in gathering, they began to grow in their understanding and their knowledge of Jesus as they attended the temple together. They continued to have Holy Spirit saturated conversations in sharing their meals together. And they continued to be overwhelmed in joy, in gladness of hearts, in generous hearts towards each other as they praised God because they were aware that he was in their midst doing great things. And in all of this, their faith must have been built up. Their trust, their dependence in him, resulting in more joy in him, resulting in more awe. Whoa, he is here in our midst. And how did that spill out of their gathering? How did that filter out? In verse 47, and the Lord added to their number day by day, those who were being saved. See, the father was using all of this as an opportunity for these new believers to lean into the Holy Spirit, to be bold in declaring, look what God's doing. I mean, they must have gone to the market and to the temple and people will stop them and say, why are you still here? Why didn't you go home? What happened that you would leave it all behind and follow Christ, follow these apostles? How are all your needs being met? You didn't bring enough to stay this long. You have nothing. And it gave them an opportunity to bear witness that he, the risen savior was doing things in their midst, that he was worthy of it all. So our application is pretty easy, I think. It's pretty clear. 
wanna be like these new believers who are devoting themselves, leaning into the Holy Spirit, devoting themselves to growing in the knowledge and the understanding of who Jesus is and how knowing who he is impacts how we love others, how we do community with others, but also our devotion to, I wanna participate with you in what you're doing, how your kingdom is breaking in. And a devotion to, I wanna grow in all of you, of who you are, and that your presence is in my midst right now, every day, not just on Sunday, but Monday in my normal day-to-day, going to the temple, having a meal, having conversation, going to the marketplace. See, it's not about checking a box, saying I read my Bible today, said my prayer, one-way prayer. Rather, it's a dependence, it's an abiding, like we sang earlier, an abiding on the Holy Spirit. Foster in me a devotion for more of you. Increase my awe of you. As I read your scripture, lead me to see that you are worthy of it all. Empower me to be active, not passive, in what you're leading and guiding me to do through my interactions with others, through my normal daily obligations of being a parent, a husband, a wife, a business owner, an employee, a life group participant, a life group leader serving in the church. And when we see these things happening and as we see him doing things, let it well up inside of us in awe of who he is. And let that build our faith and our trust and our dependence that he is here our praise of him forever continually be on our lips isn't that what we want Rez or do we just want to come on Sunday with general normal show up expectations with our arms crossed not every soul being in awe of him I want that for us I know you want that And so I think it's fitting that we can all stand and in unison and in unity of hearts all desiring the same thing, that we would sing together that he is worthy of it all, that he is worthy of our praise. So Stephen's gonna lead us and I encourage you, don't just stand there and let others sing, but sing out of a Holy Spirit empowered, help me see you as worthy of it all. We hope you've been blessed by this message from Resurrection Church. Please visit resfaith.com. That's R-E-Z-Faith.com, where you can find more sermon archives, learn more about our church, and find a place to give to our ministry. We'd be glad to hear from you. Drop us an email at connect at resfaith.com.